Hebrews 9.22, one chapter prior, says, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Someone say, with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Someone say, no remission. For just the next few moments, I want to speak to you about where no remission is. Where no remission is. It is 1050. I'm just going to give you a heads up. I'm ever bit an hour-long preacher, but I will try to be shorter than that. But I'm not going to promise that because I would lie most of the time. I'm a long-winded preacher. That's all there is to it. But if you would just be patient with God's presence, he's going to help you in these next few moments. Where no remission is. In Pentecostal culture, we have our own language. And we may not recognize that. We're just kind of used to it. We have our own sense of humor. There's things that if you said that joke, someone outside of the realm of Pentecost would not laugh. They just kind of look at you. But there's things that we say we do, we get it. But sometimes there are some things we say and do we may not quite clearly get it or understand it, but we comprehend it to some extent. Just kind of like, you know, I have three children and they'll ask me sometimes what a word means. And I know what the word means, but to put words to explain that word, I find not. <laughs> And then I look like an idiot in front of my kids. Because I'm supposed to know everything. I'm dad. And sometimes we can read something in scripture and we get it, but then we don't know how to put words to it. And remission is one of those buzzwords in Pentecost. We love the word remission. But what is remission? It is it is kin to the word forgive or forgiveness. They're very related, very connected. They're very similar. To forgive is to send off, to lay aside, to forsake. And remission, though it is similar, it is a little more emphatic. It's a little more intense. It's from the same word, but it is an emphatic freedom to pardon. There's greater intensity and significance in the word remission. I want to talk about that word here today and help us to see something about it that there are places where there are no remission. I want to share with you an article I came across years ago that I've saved that I like to read every now and again and I read in the audience of you here this morning. It's from a man named Eric Schmidt. Does anyone know who Eric Schmidt is? All right, we got one. You guys are probably BFF. Eric Schmidt, for the rest of us who do not know, is... You know, anyone ever heard of Google? Ah, there you go. Eric Schmidt is kind of a big deal with Google. He was the CEO for many years and brought it to a next level to what we know it as today. He's no longer the CEO. He's stepped down. He's on their board, something along those lines. But he was in an interview and had this interaction 
with this journalist, and I read from that. And in this article, it states this, it must be peculiar for children of the internet age. They are the first to have a complete record of their whole lives. They are the first who will be able to offer concrete proof of every one of their days, friends, and actions. Think about that. This is a youth conference this weekend. Think about this generation. That's unlike any other generation. Eric Schmidt worries, however, that they will be the first who will never be allowed to forget their mistakes. He said there are situations in life that it's better they don't exist, especially if there is stuff you did when you were a teenager. All of us adults should say amen. We could try to act like we're straight-laced and be hard on these teens, but you need to remember what it was like when you were a teenager. Eric Schmidt says there are situations in life it's better they do not exist and that teenagers are now in an adult world online. In some days, we could hardly describe most of what happens online as adult. Still, Eric Schmidt says he believes the online world has gone too far in forcing teens to never forget. In bygone times, he said they were punished, but allowed to grow beyond youthful indiscretions. It's true, as Schmidt said in his speech, people are now sharing too much. You ever heard of TMI? Now, this is, this is Eric Schmidt. This is not me, so don't get mad at me when I read this, okay? Eric Schmidt says an example of TMI is when parents post ultrasounds of their unborn babies. Nobody needs to see that. No, not me. Damn. But part of the problem that teens might encounter in the future comes not from their having made supposed mistakes, it's from those who might choose to judge them for those supposed mistakes. As ever in life, the opinions of others, especially in the sheep pen that is called the web, can be the most mistaken and most damaging distortion of all. I speak to this generation of screenagers that is in this room. God wants to speak to you very clearly tonight or this morning, and those who are not teenagers, though I am speaking to the younger generation, this applies to all generations that are in this room. And if you can lean in a little bit for a moment, you can get a better pulse and understanding of the generation that is coming up, and you need to pay careful consideration and attention these next few moments. This man that I read, Eric Schmidt, he's not apostolic. He's, from my understanding, he's not even a Christian. He's either agnostic, atheist. He's not into what we are into. And this man that is not all about the Ten Commandments and what we would hold near and dear, he is concerned for your generation. And he is concerned in the day and age which you and I are living. This is one of the masterminds of the internet world that I could not fathom or imagine. I travel quite a bit and I am at a different place virtually every week. And I 
depend on Google to find my way around. I depend on Google search to locate GPS, restaurants, businesses. I could not imagine being an evangelist or a traveling person back just even 20 years ago. I mean, I remember 20 years ago using something called MapQuest. I don't even know if that exists anymore. And you would have to print it out. And it wasn't always even right. It was rough in those days. This generation of screenagers that I speak to here today, I, I would like to believe I'm not far removed from you in some regards, height-wise. <laughs> but even pastor's kids are taller than me. That's why I like preaching junior camps. I feel like I minister eye to eye. But I'm not going to pretend that I can totally relate to you. Some of these, I'm going to be 38 this coming March. So I'm 20 years to 28 years older than the youth group in this room. I'm old and crunchy. I don't know how much longer I got. Move it or lose it. Get off my lawn. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. It's a reality. So I'm not going to try to pretend to be you. I'm not going to get suffocating pants to look like you. I'm not going to do any of that. Not because I want to be trendy. I just want to be modest. But in some regards, I can relate, for I was that generation raised on the Internet. Dial-up Internet, that is. Now, you don't know what dial-up Internet is unless you are in your mid-30s and above. And when we went to go on the Internet, when we had to, I, I, I remember something called AOL came out, America Online. And that CD came in the mail, and it would be 24 hours of free internet. There ain't no way I can use all that up. There's no way I'd sit on a computer for 24 hours within a year. No way. And if you ever wanted to get online without your parents knowing... You had to be like Stealth Ninja. It was an effort to get online. Like our, our, our modems to the computer were like one of these, you know, monitors. <laughs> subwoofers. I mean, you, it, it'd be like one of these towers right here. And you put that disc inside of there, you know, and it would be after midnight, 1 o'clock, when your parents are asleep, you sneak downstairs, and you go to turn on the Internet. And when you turned on the internet, it wasn't just like you're there. You had to grab every pillow and its mother and muffle this thing. 
Young people, your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard. Dial up internet. It worked to get online back in the day and to sneak a session. It was tough. But I was still raised on the internet, though it was a little different. And in this short period of time from when I was a teen to you now in a decade or two of difference, you still live in a completely different world than I do. For things have drastically changed on the landscape in your world. In old days, I remember going to an event like a convention, a conference, a camp, and you know we 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 had this um, these things called disposable cameras. It was a big deal. It was a big deal to go to camp with a disposable camera. It was the only time as a man that I envied ladies that had purses. I wanted to get me a male European handbag or a satchel or whatever, you know, to justify my decision in life. I had too much pride to wear the fanny pack. I just, the Lord's still working on me. But you would go to camp with this disposable camera, this cardboard device, and, and you, would, you would basically have to wind it up to take a picture. And if you were, if you were bougie, I mean, if you were high roller, you had a flash on that camera. It costs a little extra, but you knew who were the rich people at camp because their parents got them one with a flash on it. And you would charge that up. You'd take a pic. And, and you had to make sure you had a tall friend because there were no selfie sticks. So you needed to get a guy. Like, I could not be your friend and take a selfie. T-Rex can't do selfie stuff. You need someone that is tall and can extend that arm and take the picture of the group. And the entire time, you never knew what the picture would look like. You would have to wait till after camp. Go home. And then you would have to go to a store and turn in your disposable camera for them to develop the film. And it would take a couple days. And if it was really busy, even longer. And then this newfound technology came out. Same day photo development. It was kind of a big deal. It was amazing. And it was like, when you, it was like Christmas. When you go pick it up and you open and you look at those photos and then you get mad because the selfies look like messies. Everything's out of blur and, and you, you, you couldn't filter nothing. You know, that big old red zit on the middle of your forehead and that pussy white head on the tip of your nose. You couldn't filter that out on Instagram. It was there. It was archived. And it, it, it was, look, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the 90s. That's where I grew up. But I'm here today to let you know 
in the hour in which you live that is unlike any other time in history, you can almost feel as if this book is some old archaic device that cannot minister to your situation. It is no longer applicable. It can't comprehend. It can't relate. It can't help you. But the Bible was a book ahead of its time. For it was not just situation-based, it was principle-based. It wasn't just a bunch of rules laid down about just certain items. The Bible addressed the spirit behind everything. There is no new thing under the sun. Though you live in a new dawn, a new era, a new day, the Bible still applies to your day that you wake up to. It still applies to the moment that you are living in right now. I don't know. Just like, you know, the Bible already knew about social media. Already knew about it. If you're a young person, take out pen and paper. I want you to write a couple verses to let you know that today you are fulfillment of Scripture in your social media. I don't think I gave any of these verses to the team, but if you want to put them up, that'd be helpful. First Timothy five thirteen. First Timothy five thirteen. Your your prophecy for social media. Your prophecy for the online world. It says, this, this is what it's like. They learn to be idle. Lazy, not doing much, just sitting around all day. Wandering about from house to house. Now, that's too much work and effort for you to get up and go outside and walk to your friend's house. But in the online world, you can just sit in your house and go through everybody's house. Not only idle, but tattlers, busybodies, meaning gossiping, talking about things you ought not to. Of course, I'm talking about this generation, but none of you guys do any of this. None of you guys sit at home all day on your device, going from house to house, or texting about things you ought not to. That is, of course... Not the case in Fredericton. I'm talking about the United States. We got problems. I figure everyone would say amen, but all right. That's in your book right there, in the Bible, in the word of God. We've never been more busy doing nothing. All busy, I mean, exercising your thumbs and get, you know, getting the latest update and getting the latest download and, and making sure you put this post and that post and like this and like that and pin this and pin that. All this busyness. But really, if you take inventory at the end of the day, what have we done with our day? Going from house to house. We got to be very careful. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We got to make sure we understand what comes out of our mouth. We got to make sure it is holy and godly and pure. And the words out of your mouth, they are just as important. The words that come out of your hands onto that screen for they are one and the same. Here's another verse I want you guys to write. I'm so happy to see you guys with your notebooks. If you have a phone, you can take a note on your phone. 
Another prophecy for you in encouragement from a man of great wisdom, Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22. If you want to put those verses up, you can. It says, do not take heed to all the words that are spoken. Don't go looking to see what people are saying about you. What is social media? Always looking to see what someone said about you. You put a post out there, basically you're fishing. Because you want someone to react to what you said. You want a heart. You want a like. You want some emoticon. You want some sort of retweet, some sort of share. And this generation, its value system is based upon that world of how many people are following me and how many people are liking me, how many people are responding to me. But the Bible warns you to say, do not take heed to all the words that are spoken because you will find someone that doesn't like you. Doesn't like what you say. They retaliate or they don't react the way you want them to react or they react not at all. And it bothers you because you put this, you know, oh, God is good. I'm so blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. Blessed by the best. And you throw it out there. And you get no bites. And all of a sudden, bing, you're like, mom, get off my social media. <laughs> Nothing worse than when your parents respond to something you say. So now you're all bent out of shape and it didn't work. So you try the other side of the coin. I'm stupid. Nobody likes me. I don't know if I want to live. I want to quit. You know, I don't even know if I believe in my faith. All of a sudden, now you have 20 responses, 40 responses, 100 responses. And without even realizing it does something to us, there is a conditioning that has taken place that negative behavior gets attention and so therefore i will put out negative things in that world so i can feel value in my world you got to be very careful young people and not just young people adults do the same thing that we are so addicted to the opinions of others and the reactions of others we ought not to get our value system from a social media post we not not to bring our drama to a social media post we ought to go to the post of the cross and bring it to Jesus and cast our cares on him do not let the digital world define and determine your spirit world you are of great value to God would you clap your hands a little louder another old fuddy-duddy archaic scripture that supposedly doesn't apply to us anymore Proverbs 25 27 it's not good to eat, eat much honey or for men to search their own glory is not glory People always looking for self-grandizement and promoting self. 
You got to be very careful what you do in that world. There's, I remember I used to post about all my travels, going places. When I first started, I didn't know what to do. I was just doing what everyone else was doing. And then one day God goes, what are you doing? Oh, I'm so humbled, honored. What a privilege and an honor. I'm so humbled to be at CCC. <laughs> humbled? I thought humbled is meek and quiet. Why are you throwing it out there? And God asked me, why are you doing that? Oh. And I didn't like the answer. He says, you're, you struggle with pride and insecurity. And I'm not saying other people that do that, that's their problem. I'm saying that was my problem. And so I, I changed my social media world. I stopped looking at what other people were saying. I'm in that world, but I'd rather not, but I have some reasons why I am on that world. But I don't look to see how many comments, how many retweets, how many followers. I don't look at any of that because I don't want that to determine my world. And I determine not to promote self and how many miracles and how many this and how many that. There's times I feel led to share of a miracle or something that did happen, but I don't post about my, oh, I'm so humbled to preach this conference, so humbled to preach this event. I have problems. Any, any strong stance in my life is because I have weak stance. I never look at myself as holier than thou. I look at myself as weaker than thou. That's why I have to have parameters in my life because I know in me that is to say in my flesh dwells no good thing. We okay tonight we're, we're, or this morning? We're just, we're just teaching. Psalm 64, write this down. This is another prophecy about your social media. It says, they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at them and fear not. Basically, bold keyboard warriors in their mother's basement. And they see somebody that they're jealous of that they don't like. And according to my calculations here. Powerful on that keyboard. But you put them in the presence of that person. Man, it gets quiet in church sometimes. We got to be very careful. Look at verse 6 of Psalm 64. They search engine out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. And we find ourselves now in this online world constantly searching, constantly looking. I'll tell you as, as negative as I sound about social media, I am thankful for social media. Because if anything social media has provided, it's provided evidence that we all have time to read our Bible and pray. We all have time. I know there's a lot of positives in the digital world, but if you put the weights and the balances, I believe we come out with a net negative. That's just my personal opinion. But I am thankful for that world. I'm thankful for this church that uses the digital world to affect its world in a positive way. So I'm not anti-technology, but we got to be very diligent about what we do with our technology because there is an effect. There is a consequence that comes from anything and everything that we do in that digital world. One more and I'll move on. Just another, I and mean, we keep going about verse after verse after verse. But James 1.26, another one talks about 
what we do in social media. We're all religious Christians, and we have, you know, under our profile, one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, you know, believer, you know, just servant of Christ. But then we don't bridle our tongue. If that doesn't make sense to you. How about this? You have unbridled thumbs. We're not, we're always speaking in thumbs. Am I moving too fast for you? We like to speak in thumbs every day. I speak with thumbs more than you all. But these unbridled thumbs can make your religion vain. When you start lamb blasting people and gossiping about people and saying things you ought not to say, you can have on your profile that you're a Christian. You can boast that you love Jesus all you want. But what you do with these thumbs absolutely matters. And the Bible says what you say, no matter how religious you think you are, it has an effect on whether your faith is of anything to God. We got to be very careful. The reason why we are emboldened in that world is there are people far smarter than I that talk about this digital world, this online world. And those who study it say that when you are online, on your phone, on your device, in, on your computer, that your, your, your guard is let down. It fuels disinhibition. You relax and you feel that you are safe because you're in your own home. In fact, Human behavior is amplified and accelerated online. Everything you do, you need to know this. Everything you do in that world leaves a digital fingerprint. And the digital world is real, if not more real than the physical world. Or at least it has real world consequences. You want an example? Do you guys have Walmart out here? Y'all ever, okay. Costco? Oh, I got a little more excited there. Costco makes these, these Kirkland dried mangoes. Not, the, not added sugar ones, just the dried mangoes. It's like beef jerky mango. It's like, oh. Sorry. Costco. Who here would go to Walmart, walk in there, don't raise your hand, by the way. And swipe some CDs, DVDs, and, and walk out without pain. Now, there are people that do that. But to do that, it's a little nerve-wracking. You got to be very careful and methodical and try to cover your tracks. And you, you, you're looking around, you're observing because you are in the physical world. You're in the natural world. You're in the real world. And so you got to do all these things to be very careful of what you do so you don't get caught. Now, next question. Don't raise your hand, please. How many have downloaded, extracted music or media off the internet without paying for it. Don't raise your hands. Do you know it's the same thing? Man, it gets quiet. <laughs> but we, who ever sat in your room sweating and nervous and your heart pounding? I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could, I could take this music off there. I don't know if I, no. Because we don't think of any consequence in that moment. Because it's just the digital world. But if you get caught at Walmart 
swiping one or two CDs, those might lecture you, let you go, or those are some sort of petty theft, slap on the hand and you move on. But if you ever get tried for pirating and taking stuff off the internet, that's a federal offense. At least in the States, I don't know, you know, here in Canada. But it's a federal offense. $250,000 fine and time in prison. So you tell me which one is more serious. The physical world or the digital world? We don't understand this, but we are deceived when we think we are safe by sinning on our phones. We think we are safe when we do certain behaviors in the online world. But I want you to understand this. You are in greater danger than you realize. People who may not physically go out and have those sexual relations and those sexual conquests, they feel that they're doing better because everything's just on their device. And we feel we're safer, but I want you to understand you are in greater danger than you can ever imagine. When, because the Bible says you are not at a good place when you are deceived. Do not be deceived. Take heed lest ye fall. Do not feel so confident when you are in private and you are on your device and you think that no one knows and there's no consequence to it. Everything we do. As a consequence in that world, that digital world. Now, if I ever share a carnal story, it's when I was not serving the Lord. I was a backslider, prayed through when I was 18. But I did go once, this is a carnal story. This is BC, before COVID. I went to a, a trip with a friend in Florida. I don't know if you know Florida, but it's basically a big beach state party and we didn't go out there to pass tracks i'm just gonna let you know we were doing a different kind of beach ministry and so we went and we met up with some girls there and we went clubbing and partying next day a storm front was coming in and and there was these massive waves that were crashing and they were they were they were massive they were taller than me and so I went out, and my friend and I were jumping in the waves, and it would, like, crash us down and suck us in, and we're getting hit with seaweed and rocks. It was, it was a pretty, you know, high wind and big waves. It was, it was fun. But all of a sudden, I, I realized the time was like, we got to go. We got to go meet these girls, and we got to go to the club. We got to go party. And my friend, as I'm telling him, let's go, he's frantically looking around in the water. I'm like, what are you doing? We got to go. He goes, I lost my glasses. Who wears their glasses in the ocean? <laughs> He's like, we, we got to find my glasses. My parents are going to beat me. And, and their parents might have. And so I felt bad for him. And he's, he's all weeping and crying. And I'm like, all right, all right, I'll help you find your glasses in the ocean in a storm. <laughs> so I get in the water. I put on the snorkel, put on, you know, and I get in that water. And once I get in, the wave crashes, rocks, seaweed hits on me, and I'm like floating around in the water. And all I could think to myself, this is so stupid. This is so stupid. I'm not going to find glasses in the ocean. This is so stupid. And so I get out of the water. I'm like, come on, we got to go. We're not going to find your glasses. No, you got to help me find my glasses. And it happened a couple times. And, and finally, it's the last time I go in the water. 
I don't know what came over me. I'm just like, I just wanted to go. And I said, God, if, if you help me find his glasses, I, 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 won't, I won't go clubbing. I'll stop hanging out with these girls. I'll just have them just, I won't do anything the rest of this trip. So I put the snorkel on. I get in the water, a wave crashes. God, as my witness, I lie not, I exaggerate not. The wave crash, the glasses hit me in the snorkel and fell in my hand. I, I promise you. I get out of the water and I am, I am shaking. I'm like, what? My friend's still looking for his glasses. I'm just. <laughs> and after some time, he gets out of the water. He goes, what are you doing? I found your glasses. Great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I gave him the glasses. And I went back to the hotel. And I made an altar and I repented. It was a powerful moment. The trip was over. We would get back home. And I don't remember how long it was, but it was a little time after the trip. I'm in my room, and I hear a knock on the door. Mijo. It means my son is from my Mexican mama from Tijuana. She goes, Mijo, open the door. I get up, I open the door. When I open it, you know the look. She's got a look on her face. I'm like, what? Que paso, mama? <laughs> What's up? I found your camera. We brought a camcorder to Florida. There was something that wasn't recorded on that camera. The altar. But other things were on there. Did God forgive me? Yeah, sure, you betcha you now, don't you know? But my sin was archived. God will forgive you of anything. But generation of young people, you hear me right now. Everything you do in the online world is archived. It's permanently stored and it is there and they hold on to it for it doesn't matter if it's TikTok, doesn't matter if it's snapchat it all is there forever because you have a digital fingerprint i share a story i'm gonna i'm gonna hurry up here because i've been going i don't know how long i've been going 40 minutes i think so that means i got 20 my wife made me read a book. I don't like to read. But she told me to read a book, and it was not a book I would typically read. It's called I'm No Angel by this lady named Kylie, like, Bersetti. Bersetti? I don't know how to say her name. But it's her autobiography on her story of becoming a, a Victoria's Secret model. So I wouldn't typically get that. And basically, it's her testimony of her path to becoming a supermodel. And basically, all the horrors behind the scenes, the, the awful things that took place. 
pretty disturbing book. But what ends up happening, she achieves her dream and becomes an angel for Victoria's Secret and to walk that catwalk. And to do that, she had to sit in a chair. I can't remember, six hours, eight hours. It was a long time before she could officially walk out to represent Victoria's Secret. And they, compl- they changed the pigment of her skin. They ripped out her eyelashes. They, they, they had to put extensions in hair. And after all the layering, then she was pretty enough to represent them. But in this process of achieving her dream, she became a Christian. And she started feeling convicted about immodesty and vanity. It's, an, it's a fascinating story. And so she, she basically gave up her dream and pursued just her Christianity and became a speaker to travel and let ladies know what beauty is and what, the importance of modesty. But she said when she made that transition and began to share her story, something happened. People after the event would Google her. And all of a sudden, these photos would come up of her. And not just the ones she performed as a model that were all legal photos that went out there, but all these illicit photos that were not legal for her to go out there. And she was so shamed. She was so embarrassed by that that she, she pursued legal ways to get all of those elements off of the Internet. And she won her case. But the judge basically told her this. There is no way we're able to get rid of every single image. It's illegal every time, and you win in the court of law, but we cannot permanently remove there. There's no way for us to do that. You have to hear me very carefully. I know this is a quiet day right now. I know this is a quiet moment, but everything we do in the digital world is monitored and it is archived and it is there. There's nothing that we are doing in that world that we are going to get away with. The Bible says, be sure of this, your sins will find you out. You know what the political world does? When they're against somebody, someone that, you know, like in the, in the state side, you know, Trump and Hillary used to be friends. But once they had the same goal and only one person can accomplish that, what do they do? They digged up their past. And they looked for anything archived. And I'm telling you right now, there is a place where no remission is, and it's this world. This, I come against the lie of this world and hell that says that the church is some judgmental place that, you know, makes you feel like an idiot and makes you feel like low self-worth. This world never lets you forget. The day that you cross paths with them, the day you're not friends anymore, they will pull up your past and they'll put it in your face to tear you down. This world is unforgiving. This world has no remission. This world has no forgiveness. This world has nothing to offer you to clean your slate. Would you lift your hands for just a moment? I'm in a hurry. Come on, would you lift your voice? 
I, I need some people to tap into the Holy Ghost. God wants to do a work in these next few moments. Would you lift your voice? Would your voice accompany your hands that are raised right now? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray you open up the windows of heaven and roll back the roof of this church. I pray, God, that you would dispatch angels in this room and take scales off of eyes. I pray there be revelation and understanding and conviction. And, Lord, we would make application, Lord, of what you call us to do. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? There is, if you are unaware of this, adults, I'll just let you know, one of the pandemics in our generation of young people right now is what they do on their cell phones, talking one to another called sexting, sending immoral, indecent, immodest images of each other all the time. And don't, don't be so naive to think that it does not happen in the church. It is one of the most frequent damaging things that occurs. Let me speak to you ladies right now. There is no guy, there is no boy that is worth you sending a picture to. I don't care how much pressure he puts on you. I don't care if he mocks you or makes fun of you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that boy has no right to see anything. I wish there'd be a parent in the house that would support and say amen. I wish there would be an agreement in this room and let the people of God know we don't do that. <laughs> Precious young lady of God, I'm just going to give you a, a heads up. You know, that, that, that teen dream, like 110%, you're not going to marry him. Very rare. But even if so, you don't share any of that with. You know what he will do the moment you send that picture? He's going to show it to people. It's just bragging rights to him. You're just a piece of meat to him, and it's just you're a trophy, and now he's going to show people. And I'm telling you, there are godly girls in our movement that fell prey to that and they want to do what's right for God. And they want to serve the Lord. And they find an altar. And they, they seek God's face. And once they find forgiveness, they realize they feel convicted. I, you, the whole time you knew you shouldn't have sent that. But you, you gave in. But after you gave in, you felt smitten in your heart. And you felt such shame on you. But you found the boldness and the courage to come to an altar and ask Jesus for forgiveness. And he forgave you. But you know what happens? After you were bold in that altar and found forgiveness, you went to school on that Monday. And everybody knew about it. I'm talking about where no remission is. This is why we have to be very intentional about the digital world. Because there's such great danger. And the Bible says, do not be ignorant concerning the enemy's devices. He will attach himself to any device that can cause you, us to stumble, to struggle, and to fail. And when you send an image out like that, and all of a sudden you feel a call of God on your life. You're excited after Sunday, but you go to school, and all of a sudden it's the talk of the school. It's being shared across the classroom. And all of a sudden now you feel shame. You don't feel the forgiveness that you had. You don't feel the grace and the mercy that you 
you had. You feel the condemnation and the embarrassment and you start getting pressured by the system and you start crumbling to it and you feel there's no way that I can make it another day. There's no way I can come out of this. There's no way that I can fulfill the call of God with my image out there. And the devil wins. And he causes teen after teen after teen to commit suicide, to live depressed, or to withdraw themselves and never give all of themselves to God. For they feel they cannot find forgiveness. This world is not your friend. This world does not love you. They're going to use you and they're going to move on. They're just going to take advantage of you and move on. Do not buy into the lie. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 17, let not your heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long for surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Do not envy this world. Oh, I wish there be a lifting of a voice right now. Ah. We are under a digital attack that is a spiritual attack that is holding a generation back from fulfilling the promises of God in your life because you know if you take a step out and try to get bold about your faith that people are going to pull up that screenshot of those words that came out of your mouth. Every text that you send, you should operate as if it's out there publicly because I promise you when you say something ridiculous and crazy, they screenshot you. Screen. It's the danger of a pit called text threads. You let your guard down and you're just trying to up one with humor and all of a sudden finally somebody crosses the line and everyone laughs because you want to get that affirmation. You want to be the funny guy. You want to be the cool person on that thread and all of a sudden you send something inappropriate. You say something that you should not have said and it's screenshotted. And then 10 years later, five years later, two years later, all of a sudden, I'm telling you, it happens in ministry. When some minister all of a sudden, you know, God starts to use them, people will pull up their past. You see what they said? Not even considering that for the past two years, their life has changed and transformed and they have been serious about their consecration and their walk with God. And someone will pull up that past and we will judge somebody that has lived faithfully for five years when someone pulls up their past and cancel culture shuts them down. That's where we're at right now. I'm telling you, you can find stuff about me. Years ago, and the trend of this world is the moment you find some sin or youthful indiscretion, cancel them. Where no remission is, it's the world. But there's a place. There's a place where we can find remission. There's a place where we can find grace. There is a place where we can find mercy. There's a place where we can find new beginnings. There's a place we can find a restart. There's a place where we can find regeneration. There's a place where we can find newness of life. There's a place where all things have passed away. And behold, all things... 
The Bible says grace is brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter had that revelation for in Acts 2.38. He says, you just need to repent of your sins. Tell God you're sorry and go a new direction and he'll forgive you and be baptized. Just like that brother was last night in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead and put Acts 2.30 up there so people can see what Acts 2.38 is. When you get buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Acts 2.30, that there is remission of sins there is an emphatic pardon there is a washing away Paul said it like this as he shared his testimony in Acts twenty two sixteen. the preacher says why tarriest thou what are you waiting for arise be baptized and have your sins washed away how can my sins be washed away when you call on the name of the Lord is there anyone in this room right now that knows who the name of the Lord is someone shout the name of the Lord what's that name What's that name? Why is that name so powerful? Leviticus 17, 11 says that it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. It literally means the blood covers that which was damaged, that which is stained. The Bible also goes on to say in Exodus 12, 13, the Lord spoke that when we would see the blood applied on the life and the home of somebody, that death angel would pass over when he saw the blood there's something powerful about the blood someone say the blood someone shout the blood Jesus said in his closing moments on this ministry on earth in Matthew 26, 28, he says, this New Testament is written in my blood for the remission of sins. It had to be a blood bought church for all of this to work. Hebrews 12 and 24, it says that the blood of Jesus speaks better things you know what the blood of this world cries it's like abel it cries revenge 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 that's the anthem of the world's bloodbath but what is the anthem of the lord's blood on the cross of calvary remission remission he says better things over you he speaks a better word over you he's got a better future for you and the bible says in hebrews 9 22 we opened up in scripture that without the shedding of blood there is no remission but the good news is in second corinthians 8 9 though he was rich he became poor jesus christ he humbled himself and came to this earth in the form of a servant I'm coming to a close right now. He could have came any way he wanted to. But he came in poverty. Born into poverty. So poor was Gia's parents that they had to borrow a place for his birth. So poor was Jesus that his parents gave a lowly sacrifice at his dedication. So poor was Jesus when he became an adult. He never owned a home. 
So poor was Jesus when he was an adult. He never owned property. So poor was Jesus that when he began to minister, he had to borrow someone else's lunch. So poor was Jesus that when he traveled down the streets of Jerusalem, he had to borrow a donkey. So poor was Jesus that his last supper with his closest of friends, he had to borrow someone else's uh, house to have the supper in. So poor was Jesus that when he died, he had to borrow a rich man's tomb to bury his body. But when it came to your soul salvation, he didn't borrow nothing. He didn't put nothing on credit. The Bible says in Acts 20 and 28, this is the church of God that he hath purchased with his own blood. See, there is no remission without blood. And the only one who can save and forgive is God. But God is a spirit and a spirit does not have blood. So to wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was manifest in the flesh 1st Timothy 3 16 God he poured out his blood by taking on the form of a servant young person hear me right now the blood speaks better things over you if you've been baptized in Jesus name when you ask for forgiveness that blood comes like a wave that blood begins to purge away every stain every shame every mistake every fault every failure everything out there that you regret everything that brings remorse there's a blood that brings remission there's a blood that purges there's a blood that washes there's a blood full of grace oh hi is there someone that can testify to that is there someone that could stand in this room and say i know it was the blood i know it was the blood for me one day when i was locked Come on, church, let's stand together. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Revelation 12, 11, we overcome our adversary by the word of our testimony and by the blood. Oh, it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, it will never, it will never lose its power. I'm speaking to a young person whom God has been speaking to this weekend. And you feel that call to do something for God. But you're afraid of your sin being brought back up in your face. And I can't promise you that it won't. Because once you make a decision to start going after God, the devil's going to go after you. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Remission is not a feeling. Though it can be accompanied with feeling, it is not a feeling. It is a proclaimed reality of God's word. And God is not a man that he should lie. It's impossible for God to lie. 
And so when someone pulls up your past, you're going to be challenged in that moment. And you got to walk by faith and not by feeling. And say, yeah, I did do that. But you know what Jesus did for me? He forgave me. Not only did he forgive me, he washed all my sins away. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's a difference between forgiveness and remission. I don't know what your culture is, but where I was raised in the culture of our home, we had play clothes and we had nice clothes. You don't play in nice clothes. Anyone had something like that in your home? So I'd wear certain clothes, and my Mexican mom from Tijuana, who was in a gang and went to prison for attempted manslaughter, God's delivered her from most things, but <laughs> there's a side of her that's still. <laughs> and I would have nice clothes on. I go outside, and all of a sudden there would be friends playing football. Hey, Mark, come play football. No, guys, it's all right. I, I, I don't have my play clothes on. I, chicken. <laughs> I would go out, cave into peer pressure, and do what I wasn't supposed to do. And I'd win the game. I scored like a 1,000 points all by myself. It's pretty awesome. Then I come home. Miho. <laughs> and she would see me and messing up those clothes. Híjole, mijo, tengo fuego en mi sangre ahora. Ven para acá inmediatamente. I would fall before my mother. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And if I was sincere enough and I did it right and meant it, I would find forgiveness. But I still had stains on the clothes. You had to put them in the wash. You come to this altar today, you pray where you're praying today and ask for forgiveness because we've done things in this body that we regret, that we've done wrong. And God will forgive you of everything. But don't stop at forgiveness when he's made provision for remission. You can be baptized in Jesus' name today. And your sins, though they were red as scarlet, can be made white as snow. And if you're here and you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, when you call on that name, you have access to that covenant that you went into. You don't got to get re-baptized every single day in Jesus' name. You can call on Jesus' name and that blood will come and it will meet you and it will forgive you. God will forgive you now. 
Not a 20-year penance. Now God will forgive. You know how fast forgiveness works? It's been clocked at the speed of confession. 1 John 1, 9. The person that confesses their sins, God is faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Is there a generation here that God has spoken to? I don't know what kind of altar call we're going to have, but I felt just very clearly to give instruction that you would be diligent in that digital world. And there's people in this room that have done some very regrettable things in that world. But do not go looking out there. There's no remission. And I'll say this to this youth group. Listen, and to everyone in this room. If somebody messes up in this room and you see it and you know about it, this ought to be the most forgiving place in Fredericktown. If you cut them off and you start sharing with everybody in this church what so-and-so did, what blood is talking through you? And when they go out of this building, they're going to a place with no remission. When they come into this building, this should be a place of remission. Let it be said of CCC. That this is where there's new beginnings. And young people, if someone in your youth group does something, your youth group needs to be the most redemptive youth group in all of the town. Can we lift our hands and our voices right now? Can you begin to plead the blood of Jesus upon your heart and soul right now? Come on, the blood speaks better things in this room right now. Come on, there's, there's the presence of the Most High in this room. His blood. Come on. Come on, talk to Jesus right now. God, I need your blood right now. I need your mercy right now. I need your grace right now. I need that remission right now. Lord, this world has no remission. And God, I have, Lord, manifold regrets of what I have done in a place there is no remission. But today, in this house, in this room, there is remission. In this room, God, there is a cleansing. Come on, is there someone in this room that needs access to the blood? It's here right now. There's access right now. Come on, somebody get a hold of the horns of the altar. Somebody get a hold of God right now. This altar is open. There's a river, a crimson stream of blood that flows from Calvary that you can taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, Jesus is here right now. He'll forgive you of every mistake you've ever made, things that you never even considered that you may have thought not to be wrong. But after today, you realize I've been doing some things in that digital world, on that online world, on my phone that I have left unchecked. God, forgive me. God, wash me. God, cleanse me. God, purify me. Come on, right now, church, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Oh! Yes! Yes! Come on, young person. God will forgive you right now. He'll forgive you right now. You can still be a minister. You can still fulfill the call of God. You can still fulfill the call of God. 
yes you sent out something you shouldn't have sent but you're in the church right now and there's remission in this room God will redeem God will restore God will place you the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance God's not through with you God's not done with you let the blood of Jesus have a work in your heart right now let the blood of Jesus have a purifying of your soul Come on, there ought to be participation 100% across this room right now. Come on, this place needs to be a place of prayer. This needs to be a house of prayer. Come on, there needs to be an intercession for souls. There needs to be praying for a generation that is struggling unlike any generation right now. Come on, adults. Come on, parents. Come on, grandparents. Would you lift your voice for your teen? Would you lift your voice for your grandchild? Would you lift your voice for them? You have to have a grace in your heart for a people that live in a graceless world. You've got to begin to pray the love of God and the blood of God. Come on, old timers. We know what it's like to plead the blood. Go ahead and plead the blood. Plead the blood. Plead the blood of Jesus round about your generation.